Welcome to Business Done Differently, the podcast about challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game in business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Jackie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, this may be the first time I've ever had a former drag performer and little monster on the show. So like my excitement level is at an all-time high. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, I've heard recently you've been in drag on the boat in the drag world a little bit. I'd love to know, go back, what lessons did you learn from Lady Gaga as you took on drag on the boat and actually got into the drag world and formed a little bit? Tell me a little bit how Lady Gaga inspired you with that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, I had been in marketing for a really long time. I'd worked at IBM and I wrote two marketing books. And for me, it felt very like, marketing as usual, right? Like just marketing as usual, the same old case studies, you know, we're always looking at Zappos at the time, Southwest Airlines. And I remember that when Lady Gaga came on the scene, I was just so fascinated with like what she was doing as a pop star and just following her. And I think I was just looking for really inspiration to show, you know, at that time, show businesses like what customer loyalty is all about. Mm. And the way that she approached her fan loyalty, which for her was very intuitive. Honestly, it wasn't something where she had a business manager and they were like, this is how it's going to go. Like, this is just how she is, yes. you know, creating this cause that people believed in. And because she was so over the top and just like so word of mouth worthy in everything she did, I just got obsessed by it. And then later when I started to really get into drag, I realized, oh, Lady Gaga is a drag queen. <laughs> like, because, you know, Lady Gaga is a persona yes. that Stephanie Germanata, which is her real name, put on when she needed confidence. And I talk about this in my fourth book, Fiercely You. Yeah. You know, as a young 19-year-old woman who was getting involved in the record industry, very male-dominated, very misogynistic, she was not confident at all. She tried being like a folk singer, but it was when she created this over-the-top drag persona, right? With like nine-inch heels and like huge hair and huge shoulder pads. And she was like, she towered above these guys. Yes. And all of a sudden, she was powerful. And that's what drag queens do. And so that's like, I basically went from Gaga, who is a drag queen, to drag queens uh, on a bigger scale. And I should say drag artists, obviously, because anyone can do drag, yes. not just men, uh, just really anyone. And so, yeah, that's, so, how, that's how the evolution went. So how did you do some of that over the top? I mean, I love the word of mouth. I could get going that for a while. But how did you use, you know, drag on the boat? You're leading that. Did you start trying to think, how can we be larger than life and trying to get the word out? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, I've never been an activist ever. I think I was someone who voted every four years. And in 2016, I was like, oh my gosh, things changed. Yeah. And I realized that 100 million people did not vote in 2016. Yes. And I really started to learn a lot about politics. And because you know, with, being involved in drag, I just, I'm an LGBTQ ally. And I realized that also one in five LGBTQ people did not or weren't registered to vote. And I was like, there's just a lot of people who are not participating. Yeah. And the democracy is being given to them based on them not having a voice and they're not choosing to exercise their voice. So because I've been in the drag industry for so many years, I was like, oh my gosh, in 2019, like, what can I do that is big, that is national, that has never been done before. And that is to give political power to drag artists at a national scale. And so I was like, I know queens from RuPaul's Drag Race who are celebrities. I called one of them who's my super good friend and said, will you join me in this thing called Drag Out the Vote? And she's like, yes, absolutely. And that's how it started in 2019. You know, it's so powerful because you took a stand. And I think in your book, Monster Loyalty, about Lady Gaga, one whole chapter is about taking a stand, what you believe in. You took a stand, and that sometimes can be a larger-than-life venture. And the question is, you know, do a lot of businesses, do you know what stand they're taking? And how are they over the top? I mean, talk about this before, like, do businesses ever really come out of their shells? I mean, could every business say, we're going to be an over-the-top type of personality with a stand? You know, have you seen that happen? Because I think it could be very, very powerful. Well, it's funny because I created a marketing talk that was actually based on what I learned from drag artists. <laughs> so after Monster Loyalty and then Fiercely You came out, yes. I created this talk called like How to Build a Fierce Brand. Mm. And it builds on a lot of stuff I've talked about with word of mouth because I feel like today it's really hard to stand out, right? Like because of social media and because of all the noise and so many channels of information, it is so hard to stand out. I think we are forced to be bold, to be fierce. We're forced to do things differently in a way that stands out. 
and not, not just for publicity's sake, right? But like really create something that stands out, something that will get people talking. I think that's the sort of arbiter, that's like the line that I think businesses need to think about. Because if people aren't talking about you, if they don't know about you, they're not going to buy from you. Yeah, the definition so, of remarkable. Are you worth talking about? Are your people remarking about you? Yes, absolutely. Seth Godin, like he's, you know, when I first started and all this marketing stuff, he was my mentor and that is his line. Like it's something that people would remark about. And I still think that even today that holds true. So like being first at something or doing something slightly different that no one has done before or that gets people talking is I think how businesses should think. So I'm fascinated by this because Jackie, in, your, in the book, Monster Loyalty, the last chapter you have is to generate something to talk about. It's the last chapter. However, and what we've learned in Lady Gaga, sometimes that almost has to start first. For instance, I mean, with us, no one knew who we were. We sold two tickets in our first three months. I had to sell our house, empty out our savings account. We had nothing left until we became the Savannah Bananas. We came out with a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas and the breakdancing first base coach and all that. Then the noise happened. It was the buzz. With Lady Gaga, it was kind of similar, right? She had to come over the top. And is that something that like businesses need to think about is how do you first generate the attention? Yes. But I think like I started in the very beginning with things like, you know, what is it you believe in? What do you stand for? Right. Because to me, that is the longevity. Yes. That is the longevity. So for Gaga, like when she first came out, you know, she created music, but her higher calling was to create a community of people who were like her, who had a place to belong. She felt like an outsider growing up. She was bullied. She was the weird art kid in high school. So with her music, she wanted to create something bigger. And that's what people gravitated to. And so the reason why I have like at the end, the last one is create something to talk about. It's because over time though, you need to keep giving people those bits to talk about. So you might've created something that got initially people talking, right? Like when she came out of the gate, it was like, who is this crazy woman lighting pianos on fire? Yes. Like who is this crazy woman at the VMAs like hanging, being killed by the paparazzi with blood dripping down her outfit? Like that got people's attention. Yes. Right? And then people learned about her and then, then they learned about her message about acceptance and then they gravitated toward her. But she kept reinventing herself over and over and over again. Yes. She gave people moments... I mean, how it's been like since 2000, what, seven, actually eight when she started. And look, we're still talking about her because there's so many things that she does. You have to keep giving people things to talk about because they're just going to run out. They might love you, but they're going to run out of stuff to talk about. Well, I think it's so many companies. Everybody has a marketing plan. You have a marketing department, but we said, do you have an attention plan? Do you have an attention department? It's a different conversation. And so you look at Amazon, how many books are there on creating attention, but how many books are there on marketing? There's very few attention books versus marketing. It sounds like Lady Gaga. I mean, they're more example. I mean, the meat dress. I mean, the person vomiting on her, a vomit artist, which I didn't know a vomit artist included. Like it was literally like she had a plan to get in front of attention so people could learn her cause and what she stands for. Is that, I mean, if you could share a little bit more, because I want, I mean, I've been familiar because I've been reading and studying it from you, but maybe share a little bit more of that, how that stands and fits with companies. Yeah. And so just for the folks who haven't read Monster Loyalty, what you're talking about is I think, especially for her, she got, I think she got some bad press for being like someone who just sought attention for attention's sake. And that's not ever what she has ever done. There's always something behind it, right? And so her little monsters might know and maybe others don't. The meat dress was all about standing up for don't ask, don't tell right? And trying to get that really discriminatory uh, policy revoked, right? The vomit artist was at South by Southwest when she was singing a song about rape. And the media just was like, oh my gosh, she got vomited on. But this was actually one of the very first times where she had talked about this new song, Swine, and what it meant. And then Swine was about, it was very heavy, uh, but no one wrote about that. But the little monsters all knew, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think for companies... I talk in my keynotes about the Alamo Draft House because to me and in my keynotes, I love this example for listeners who don't know. Alamo Draft House is one of the best theaters chains in the country based in Austin, Texas. They have like, you know, 30, 35 locations, probably not open a lot right now. (laughs) Yes. But they have this crazy thing that they want the experience in the theaters to be amazing. So they had their rules are very, very strict. Like if you talk or text or pull out your phone while a show, you'll be warned. And the second time you'll be kicked out with no refund. And they have just amazing marketing that they're able to leverage because of these rules that they use, right? And so the most famous thing that ever happened to them was that a woman got kicked out because she was using her phone as a flashlight and she was leaving it on. And she was a little drunk because <laughs> they serve alcohol at the theaters. And she left them a nasty voicemail. I don't know if you've seen this, Jesse, but they took the voicemail and they literally animated it and made it into a YouTube video. 
right? Where she's talking and she's so drunk. She's so funny. But she's like, I don't get it. I'm using my phone as a flashlight. Why are you being an asshole to me? <laughs> and it's, but it is so funny. And then they released it and it went viral. And it was on 150 news outlets. Anderson Cooper did a piece about it. It was amazing. But they weren't trying to make fun of her. They were trying to say, we don't want people like this at our theaters and we will kick them out. And that's how much we love you, our customers, because we will protect your movie-going experience. Wow. Because you know how annoying it is to have people in a theater you know, with their phones. And they do not... They do not allow that. And so it worked because this is what they believe in. They believe in the theater experience. They believe in a great theater experience and they will do anything to protect that for their customers, right? And so that was a great way that they created Buzz, but it went back to their core beliefs. That's so good. So I think about like what us, like it's almost knowing again, who you're not for. And so mm -hmm. for us, like we are not for baseball traditionalists. Everything we do from our players dancing to wearing kilts to our male cheerleading team, everything's about fun. So while our stand isn't something maybe as deep or as powerful as Lady Gaga and what she was standing for, but the need for people to have fun and be treated the right way and not get nickel and dimed at a ballpark and be able to have, you know, all the things that we do to create a new fan experience, that's a stand. And so people that are going against it, you know, Major League Baseball, other levels, like it's okay to state that. Is that kind of what you're saying for a company to create buzz, maybe going that way? Yes, absolutely. I love your point about, you know who you're for, yeah. because you're creating this thing that people are attracted to. And so when people talk about your experience to others, People who resonate with that are like, oh, I want to go to that. People yeah. who are like, that sounds like I don't really, I don't know. I don't know if I like that. Then they won't come. But yeah, you're attracting the people for whom you're creating that experience and they will share that with others. And, and you'll just keep bringing people into the community who understand what you're doing, I think. I got to go on one before I would get into the one percenters. We got to go into one thing that she did that I love. Jay Bear, a mutual friend. I listened to you on his show and the perfume and I actually talked about it, but you inspired us. Literally, I'll tell you later about the drink that you inspired with that. But the perfume, it's another way of looking, hey, this is a normal way of doing things. Let's stand out and do it completely different. And I think that's a great model. If you can maybe share that and say some other examples of how that, you know, businesses can utilize that. Yeah. I love this story in the book and in my keynotes because I think a lot of people don't know the story yeah. about her perfume and about how, you know, it was one of those things where like, you know, all the pop stars have perfumes and she was approached by a perfume manufacturer, Cody, to do a perfume. And for Gaga, there's always a very well thought out, what do things mean? She doesn't just like put out a perfume and have someone pick out the scents. No, 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 no. Right. Like she, this was back, like, I'm trying to think right after her fame album came out, the fame monster, she was obsessed with fame. She was a student of Andy Warhol. And so when she thought about perfume, she thought, well, I want to call it fame, but you know, fame is alluring and seductive, but fame is also dark and it can be very evil, mysterious. And so when she thought about this perfume, it had these special notes of like blood and other things that were like kind of weird and strange because of the darkness of fame she wanted the perfume to be black in the bottle and spray on clear which had never been done before so when she went to cody they said well we can't do that so can you come up with another idea and she's like no that's my idea that's my idea and so cody spent six months with their scientists trying to figure it out and then they did they finally figured it out and i believe they have a patent for it and then it became the first ever black eau de parfum right? Like it sprays on clear, even though it's black. And it is a little scary when you see it in the bottle yeah. and then you go to spray it. But it became the fastest selling perfume after Chanel number no. five because it had never been done before. It gave people something to talk about. There was a story behind it. There was an eight minute film, million dollar film that she made about it. That like this, I show the film in my keynotes and people are like, oh my God, this looks like a sci-fi film, right? And I show like the one minute trailer for the eight minute film about this. It's insane. Like she's just covered in goo and there's men and it's crazy and she's naked. Like it's, it's again, over the top marketing. I've never seen an eight minute sci-fi film for a perfume. Yeah, but it's taking that risk. It's taking that chance. And it's going so over the top that people want to talk about it. And that's, yes. that you got to not be afraid of what people are going to criticize. You know, I think it's so interesting. I, I say, whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. The normal would be, hey, I'll put my name on a perfume. It'll sell fine. No, do something that maybe people are afraid to try. Like, totally. so, so like the inspiration, Jackie, I'll tell you, and this will air probably right before our season in the spring. I was listening, I was like, oh, wow. And it just came to me, I was like, the banana blackout drink. So literally like a freeze drink with Everclear, very strong, the strongest drink we have. It's black, a black slushy, and you're only allowed one per night. You will be stamped. You can only have one. And so it's this forbidden thing and it'll be on your tongue, kind of like the blue slushies back. Oh, you had a blackout. And so like, there's thousands of reasons why we should not do that. Every single form of liability, why we shouldn't. But what if we did? What would happen? Would people say you have to try the blackout? 
You know, that's what I'm thinking. And it came from that same idea. Like, it doesn't look appetizing. It doesn't look good, but it's forbidden. It's intriguing. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. So anyways, that's the inspiration you gave me from that. Oh my God, I love that. I love that. And the quote that I always uh, share from that is from Cody. And Cody actually said that what Gaga did by insisting on this black perfume was the biggest innovation that the fragrance industry had ever had in the last 20 years. And so like for me, it's about how can you create something that has never been done before or it gets people talking or it's just bigger and bolder, like trying to push that envelope, right? And I think there's a lot of businesses who kind of look for either they're regulated and it's hard, you know, it's hard to do good marketing or we look at, and I hate this word, best practices. It's like, let's look what everyone else is doing and then just copy that. And it's like, no, 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 no. And so I love Gaga, like thinking how to think different, to stand out, to create people, get people talking. I love her pushing those limits as a sort of as a role model. Yeah. You got to get outside of your industry. I hate best practice too. I say focus on next practices, not best practices. I mean, you got to look outside and like for us, every single ticket Jackie in our ballpark is all inclusive. It includes all your burgers, your hot dogs, your chicken, everything. You can't get a ticket without getting all your food included. You didn't get that from any other baseball team. There's no other baseball team was doing it. We got it from the cruise industry. All your food's included. Your entertainment's included. Why can't you have that in a baseball experience? And so you got to be able to get out and challenge the norms. And I think one of my favorite quotes you wrote is uh, when you Try to change the status quo or the industry norm. Some people will not like it. These people cannot be converted. Don't waste energy and time on them. Instead, focus on your cause, what you produce, and your customers. I love that. Yeah. Because I think like, so what that's saying is like, don't worry about... If you do something crazy that's really marketable, that creates attention, not everyone's going to like it. Mm-hmm. Lady Gaga said in your book, you're not pissing somebody off. You're not doing your job. <laughs> Exactly. And now that we have Twitter, people who are pissed off can come on your social media and tell you about it. (laughs) Right? So you got to have a thick skin because people will talk and, you know, I I don't listen to them. RuPaul has a great quote that I love about this. And he's like, unless they're paying your bills, pay them bitches no mind. (laughs) So the customers are paying your bills, right? So like, you know, if they're loving it, like who cares what other people are saying? Exactly. I love it so much. And, And I think that like directly leads into, you know, focus on your people, you know, your inner group. And the one percenters, obviously, you've been talking about this for many years before even Lady Gaga. I'd love for you just to dive into the one percenters and why it's so important for every company to focus on them. Yeah, this was something that came up with my co-author, my second book, Citizen Marketers, where it's right when actually social media started and we were looking at the engagement rates for online communities, like in terms of like, where are the most engaged people? And over and over again, when we looked at communities, like from Microsoft and Intuit and all of these, it was always 1% that were most, the most engaged. Maybe another 10%, and these were for online communities, another 10% would, would you know, engage with the content created by the one percenters. But we sort of extrapolated it to mean your core, core, core audience. I mean, I know that lots of people have different terms for these. You know, it's like my first book was called Customer Evangelist. And, and I would say the same thing there. But we tried to quantify that a little bit to say like, it isn't even sometimes 20%. It might be 1%, 3%. It's a smaller group than you think. And there's been some great studies actually in social media where they've looked at like all the social media posts about a company. And the majority of those posts were from around like three to 5% of the entire customer base. All the customer created content was from like a very small amount of people. And so like, you know, the question to me is like, do you know who these one percenters are? Do you engage with them? Do you have special relationships with them? I mean, Gaga for her from like almost for after the first year, she immediately named them. They were the little monsters. And she got that because she just threw that out to the crowd one night and it resonated with everybody. And so, yeah, so like I've been preaching for a really long time, like either one percenters are going to be the first people to buy almost everything you have. They're going to be the ones who come back over and over again. And that's that, I hate that chase that so many marketers have where we have to chase the new customers. We're chasing, chasing, chasing. You got to get new customers, got to get like give them discounts, get them in when your 1% might be the source of your new customers, right? Because they're telling everyone about you. They're bringing people into the fold, right? They will acquire customers for you. But I think so many businesses think they could kind of take them for granted, if you will. So Lady Gaga, what did she do really well? She named them the little monsters. All right. And then what are the other things? Because I wanted to do some parallel thinking here for a company. All right. You get this group, you find out they are, you name them, then what? What did she do? Yeah, she started also looking for different, and this really goes into fan loyalty a lot. Like you see this a lot in sports, right? You look at kind of traditions, you look at terminology or things that the community creates. Like uh, one of the things that became so iconic for Little Monsters was this paw symbol, right? Like Little Monsters can acknowledge each other and you know when there's another Little Monster because you'll see this, right? And that literally was something she spotted at a concert, 
in Boston. No, no, sorry, wrong story. She was in Boston for a concert and she was literally driving down the road and she went past this car and this car is blasting one of her songs, right? On her way to the concert. And she sees another car pull up beside it and the person hears it and they roll down the window and one person goes like this and the other person goes like this. And she's like, oh my God, they're recognizing each other. And because of little monsters, it's like a claw, like a monster claw. And so we see, like, I've seen great, customer communities for companies where they've created like the terminology for the community, right? They've named the community, they have terminology or they have iconography with symbols. Certainly a lot of things you've done, I'm sure visually people, you know, know, know what you're doing. The go, yellow. Go, with the go bananas. bananas. So if anybody sees someone wearing a banana shirt, they say go banana. And it's just kind of a term right. here. Yeah. Go bananas. I'll be in the airport. Someone will see me in a yellow tux and just yell go bananas. Yeah. It's things that people recognize as being part of the community. You yes. know, I, I talked in the book about the Pittsburgh Steelers and the biggest thing that they have. In fact, it was just, gosh, I forget. The anniversary of the terrible towel was just literally the other day, which was created back in the 70s by Myron Cope, who was a broadcaster for the Steelers, right? He came up with this idea of a towel to rally for the playoff game. I think it was 1979, I want to say. And it's become a beloved symbol of Steeler Nation. Everyone has to have, you know, you're, you're a big part of Steeler Nation. I know you've got a club down in Austin. So do you have a towel? A towel? <laughs> <laughs> I think I have at least 10. <laughs> and, and so when you go back in the day, when you went to the bar to celebrate, would you always bring a towel with you? Oh, and one extra for other people. <laughs> of course. I, I love that. I love that. So how does that idea get developed? I mean, again, I'm even trying to think more for our team and direct, but how does a company think of a symbol like that or something that they can do? Well, sometimes it is spotted in the wild, like with Gaga, right? Like it was, uh, she saw one of her fans using it. And I've seen in online communities, like especially I am really... I've been not studying a lot, but I've really been intrigued by the, like the fan community on Twitch, right? Yeah. So like anyone on Twitch is basically a brand and they have followers. And so a lot of the drag artists I know from Drag Race are doing this. They're using Twitch and I'm watching them and how they're creating their fan loyalty, right? And so on Twitch, and companies can do this too, they have little emotes or emojis that you create that your fans can buy and use and in the chat. Uh-huh. And so there's like iconography that's created. And so you see uh, people in the chat sharing it, buying it, and people are now associating these visual images with this brand who is a, a drag artist. But companies do that all the time. I mean, you can create something visual. A special GIF or something or special meme that's literally that they start sharing it out. You give them permission to use it. That's really... Yeah. So either you create it or if you might... Because now everyone has access to the ability to create things, GIFs yeah. and your own graphics. Like you might see one of your customers who loves what you're doing create something on their own and that might spark an idea and then you kind of go with it from there. Yeah, obviously got my mind spinning here trying to think about it because it's such a unifying thing. And I think that 1%, you know, the great example you make is to Maker's Mark. I mean, the ambassadors. I mean, I think like it's so fascinating. You get this group. I mean, that is their 1% and they go all in. I mean, can you just share a little bit from what your research on that? Because I think that's another example. It's not just, hey, you can develop it. I mean, Maker's Mark, they developed it. It doesn't have to necessarily come internally. I mean, that's ideal, but it's or come externally, I guess, but that's ideal. But if you can get, you can develop your own loyalty program that's different than everyone else. Yeah. A maker's mark is one of the best case studies I have ever researched and ever talked about. I love them so much. We, my co-author and I at the time did a podcast with the son of the founder of maker's mark. Um, Bill Samuels Jr., right? And so he talks a lot about the history of Maker's Mark. And for them, they started out as a tiny, tiny, tiny distillery selling bourbon in Kentucky to their friends. And it was a New York Times article that exploded them. And all of a sudden, they weren't selling to their friends anymore. And the son of the founder, Bill Samuels Jr., was a marketing guy. So he was like, "We we don't know who we're selling to anymore. I want to create this community. And you know, this was like back in, I want to say, when was this? Like late 80s, early 90s. I mean, there was no social media. There was no way to create a community. Like he did it through direct mail. (laughs) It exists. It's it's insane, right? And he got people to sign up somehow and give their email, their addresses. And they started mailing these ambassadors, you know, little membership cards with their name on it. They got a barrel in the distillery in Kentucky with a barrel number. So like there were 10, six or eight or 10 people per barrel that had a plate on the barrel with that person's name on it. So all of a sudden you were part of this community. And then every holiday, every Christmas, they would send you a holiday gift that was a Maker's Mark gift. And it wasn't just something dumb. Like they would have sweaters that you would put on the bottles, <laughs> Christmas sweaters. And then with social media, obviously, then it just exploded because everyone could see what they were sending. They would send those red rubber, like circular ice cubes. 
because that you would use for bourbon. Yes. They would send those. They would send Maker's Mark gift wrapping paper. I mean, over the years, they just always send something different ornaments. It's always something to talk about. But and then they would have a reunion every year where you come to the distillery for these horse races that were nearby. And they used to have like people would just come to be part of this community who love bourbon and love this brand. It was one of the most brilliant. And I know, like I call it a loyalty program, yeah. but for people who know loyalty programs and they think it's a frequent purchase rewards program, that's not what it is at all. You know, I went to it last night and you have to answer all these questions to become an ambassador. I was like, I'm not even close to figuring out all this. I'm not an ambassador. But once you get in, do you have to pay? No, 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 and not at all. I think that's the separate, like they are putting this expense to give to their people without asking for anything. I mean, they are asking to spread the word, but that is the big win there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, and there's no like I said, like it's not a rewards program. It's not like you buy so many and you get anything, right? It's like, so I know people call those loyalty programs like your airline yeah, points yeah. program. Yeah. That's our frequent purchase program. That is an incentive program. Yes. A loyalty program to me is something that engenders loyalty, just like you would engender loyalty with your friend, right? There's no transactional nature with your friend where, you know, if they, they're not going to refer people to you and you're not going to pay them. <laughs> yeah. You don't pay don't refer a friend. Yeah. That's yeah. not a loyal, that's not a loyalty program. You this don't pay is, your family to show up for dinner as you referenced in the book. Yeah. No, 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 exactly. No, it, it is. They know that because they've done research. They know that ambassadors will be ambassadors for them. They will talk about Maker's yes. Mark. They will buy Maker's Mark as gifts for friends. They will, in the very beginning, they would say, if your local bar does not stock it, let us know. Like tell them they should and then let us know, we'll follow up. So they were ambassadors who would literally go out and sell into establishments for them and venues for them. Wow. All right. Right now I'm putting a stamp in the ground. I'm holding myself accountable to do something for that. We have a Bananas Insiders group and we have some other things, but they're, they're paying for it. It's not this extra above and beyond. It's mm-hmm. we have to have the courage to say, we're going to invest this dollars to do the right thing for our right people. And I think every business should. So you've inspired me again and just cost me a lot of money, Jackie. So for that. <laughs> Very good. All right. So just, we've got to go around, but we've talked about obviously generating buzz. We've talked about focus on the one percenters. And then this other one, which I just really love and similar, kind of the same, make them feel like rock stars. You know, those are the three that really stood out to me uh, in the book. Um, and this is little, obviously Maker's Mark is doing that, but going to a little bit about Lady Gaga, because I think there's some real parallels that we can think about. How did she make her people feel like rock stars? Yeah. And in the early days, this is where she really experimented with it, right? Like when she got so big, it got really hard to do. But in the very beginning, the very first tour she did, the Fame Monster Tour, this was insane. She partnered with a wireless company. I think it was Verizon or something. And so they would call it, the, I forget the name of it. But what she would do is they would draw somebody from the tickets and know where they are in the stands. And they would give this person a cell phone. And Gaga, during the concert, would kind of bring it down. She would come to the piano and she was like, I'm going to call a little monster. And she would literally like pull out this phone and go, boop, boop, boop. You could hear like, boop, boop, boop. And then she would call and the stadium would know where to spotlight. And they would spotlight that fan who's like freaking out now because the person had just run up to them and given them a phone. And now that person is talking to Lady Gaga. And you can imagine like everyone in this entire 20,000 person arena is like, oh my God, she's speaking to one of us, right? And it would have this conversation and about themselves and make them, you know, put them up on the big screen, everyone could see. And then she would invite that person to come have a drink with her after the concert. It was her way to thank fans. It was her way to like reach out individually to highlight people. And that was one of the first things I ever saw her do. And then for the, I want to say it was for the Born This Way tour, the first 10 people in line at every concert got to meet Gaga. So it was her one percenters who would sleep out for like a week, you know, and the very first person in line, she had this key made and they would get the key to the concert. And it was this signed like key and she called them the key holders and she would pose with them with the key. And there was a symbolism to unlocking, you know, the Born This Way album was all about like creating kinder, braver society. Like when she came out of the egg at the Grammys, it was about birthing this new race. She has such crazy ideas. And so it was like the key to unlock kindness and all of that. And so she has, you can find all these, and there's one in the book of this, this kid standing there with his key. <laughs> it's a big key. Uh, Yeah, it was like, wow, such a thing to talk about and rewarding her one percenters, right? Because they're the only ones who would be doing that which will be standing in line to meet her. So like, I mean, it's easy for a sports team. I immediately think, I mean, we have people that show up in line at two o'clock every game and it's mm-hmm. Savannah. So it's a hundred degrees and the game doesn't start at 630. And there's people just sitting there at two o'clock. I'm like four and a half hours. Like, what are you doing? But like, we should find ways to reward them. But even like, you know, restaurants or people that line up the first before they open at 11, mm-hmm. that's there early. Like there's ways, hey, 
come in early. I, I think about Disney World. Typhoon Lagoon used to do the big kahuna. I was a kid when I was like eight years old. And they would pick you as a kid and get to go to the theme park before everyone. Everybody has an opportunity to do it if you're willing to invest the time and energy into doing mm-hmm. it. Lady Gaga saw that as hugely, hugely valuable. Oh, um, yeah. And so like this idea of like making people feel like rock stars I and mean, people remember how you make them feel. And because she would highlight some members of the little monster family, it really like all little monsters felt like, oh my gosh, you know, she's recognizing one of us. She has this team of people around her called the House of Gaga, H-A-U-S. Yes. And they're her creative team, right? And they're her hairstylist and her creative director and her costume person and her makeup person and all these people. And there was a fan who was this amazing artist who started doing illustrations of her and she inducted Helen Green was her name, inducted her into the house. And like people lost it because it was like, you know, I think people think pop stars up here, they're, they're just untouchable. Yes. And from the very beginning, she was like, no, no. It's like, we're all together. I'm like one of you. Oh, and, and look, I'm going to take this person over here and she's going to be kind of like our official illustrator of, you know, me and portraits and art, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that's like, I love how she took this person, made her feel like a rock star, but also showed the rest of the community, like I'm part of this. I'm not untouchable as a pop star. It's so good. And it's easy for me because I'm immediately thinking like, and we let our, like, we had some fans get in uniforms. We just had a fan's going to become our coach. Like we can do all that stuff easy, but other companies, you know, I run a cleaning company. I run a cleaning service. I run an HVAC company, but you did give an example about the celeb for a day, you know, how there yeah. are ways to do that. Mm-hmm. And so maybe share that because I want, I mean, it's, oh, that's really easy for you guys. Really easy for a rock star. All right. Well, mm-hmm. no, there's ways to make your customers feel like rock stars. So maybe just give one example, like maybe the celeb for a day or something else that you think could fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the slub for a day, I'm trying to remember that story, was with Ansiview. It was actually like a consulting company I worked at and we had a client who came in and it just so happened in Austin, you could actually rent paparazzi. <laughs> and so, yeah. So when he was coming down the escalators at the Austin airport, all of a sudden these photographers ran up with the flashes and it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Mr. Smith, you know, what are you doing here in Austin? And he's like, oh my God. And then they took these photos and made like a mock, like a cover of a magazine, uh, you know, with his photo. And it was just like one cute way, one really great impression we, you know, we wanted to make with one of our best clients. But, you know, eBay did this too. Like in the early days, you know, these sellers on eBay, right? Like the top sellers, that was eBay's one percenters. And I believe there's a story in the book about they used to have these conferences where, you know, if you were an eBay seller, you would go to these conferences to learn how to be a better eBay seller put on by eBay. And they would do these red carpet things where there would be a giant red carpet and all the eBay employees would be in uh, light blue polos, right? And there would be a big screen and they would applaud the sellers walking into the conference. And then you're up on the big screen, right? And it's like, uh, oh my gosh, this company really like values us. They're making us feel like we're rock stars yes. by like just physically showing us that they care. But it was a really fun way to do it. And I thought that was just amazing. You make them the hero. You know, it was so amazing. Uh, two years ago, we had a hometown tryout team. We let a few guys actually get the opportunity to play a few games. And this young kid, after the end of the game, two kids, so his players, 19 years old with us, and two kids came up to him, probably a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, and said, can we have your autograph? And he said, only if I can have yours. And he dropped down to a knee and, and he actually had them sign his hat. And for the rest of the season, he got kids to sign his hat. And I watched the rest of the team. They started getting their sleeve signed under their, their BP stuff and all their other, and they all had autographs from kids. I was like, you know, that's such an easy thing. When someone says, hey, uh, can we get a picture with you? And if I see they're getting a picture, I say, can I get my picture with you? And it's just reframing the question that anybody can do. And I watch these players and I learn so much from them that I teach everyone like, no, you get autographs from kids. We don't, we'll give autographs too, but we also get them for kids. Yeah, that's a a brilliant, brilliant execution of that idea. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, because that kid, never forget that. And probably the parents will never forget that either, right? Like never forget how that made them feel. I was an eight-year-old. I gave, hey, dad, I gave an autograph to a banana player today. I gave an (laughs) autograph. It's just a different conversation. I got to remember because keep coming back to that. That that is so good. All right, I want to have fun with the little games to finish up here. I want to do a Lady Gaga lesson showdown, okay? So here we go. I'm going to name like a type of industry and then maybe some type of lesson from Lady Gaga that they could implement into their business, okay? okay. All right, a realtor. Uh-huh. Oh, you want me to give you an idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can, if you want to throw one at me, we can do a little showdown. You can throw an industry, but some kind of lesson. So if you're a realtor, what is something that you can do from some? Make them feel like rock stars, the one percenters, generate buzz, symbols, any of the things that you share. So a realtor, what's something that they could do? Oh my gosh. Well, I, and I've seen people do this before. It's like, I think with for realtors, it can be very transactional. 
But I've also seen realtors who will have like special get togethers for their top clients who refer them. Yes. It's not just the people who like you got a great big commission from, but like every year having some reason to come back and be connected to those folks by hosting some sort of get together to thank them for all the referrals that they've done. I mean, it's seen lots of businesses do this, but it's a, that's super easy thing to do. So basically, again, you're one percenters, yes. do something over the top for them. And what are you doing for your top group? All right, good. Do you want to throw one at me? I just, I, I grilled you. I felt bad. <laughs> uh, let's see an industry. Uh, this this one's I think a little bit hard. Uh, you would, Jackie. All right, then we'll t- we'll tag team in this. Because one. I've because I've gotten this before. Like I've worked at these industries before, and they're hard. Like financial advisors. Yes, because if I because because of the regulation, because the regulatory, they can't do and and they act in a very like sort of standard way too. Like this, it's very much like they. I feel like there's a lot of innovation that could happen, but they also can't think outside their box. Yes, they're regulated, but they also I think it's hard for them to think differently. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, the two easiest are the one percenters and think of the lessons, the one percenters and also think about how to make them feel like rock stars. So again, you know, just like you said with the realtors, the financial group, what is that top group and how can they, you know, again, I guess it goes to think about Maker's Mark. You know, what do they do? How can you send these special things tailored? How do you make them feel like they're a part of something? <laughs> that is tough. That is tough. And also like one of the things that it's hard for them, but I'm like, what are you really selling? Like the whole, like, what do you stand for? Like, what's yes. your cost? Like, what are you really selling them? You're selling them, you know, it's not just financial stability. It's like an easing of their mind yes. that they're going to be okay, that it's all going to work out. Like it's, it's freedom maybe. Freedom. It's, 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 it's their, their home life. It's their, I mean, they're being able to have a home. I mean, a lot of this, they're able to have family home because of their financial, they're able to spend time doing what they love. Yes, 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 yes. So it's like, I think so many people in the financial industry, it's more like, like what returns am I getting for you? Yes. That's not what you're selling. (laughs) Yes. It's what's that bigger thing? What's that emotional thing that would keep somebody emotionally connected, right? So I talk a lot in Monster Loyalty and the other books about like like this emotional connection that has to do with like what you stand for and what you believe in. Sorry, I'm like, I know you were doing like rapid fire and I'm like- No, this is is great. I wasn't a rapid fire. What business are you in, but what business are you really in? So as a financial advisor, to figure out your 1% and how you can serve a cause, ask more questions. So maybe you keep going and saying, why? Why are you trying to do this? And then they realize this is what's most important. It's- my family, it's my home, it's whatever. And then try to hit on that. Yes. Get, and get I past the surface. Yes. In the book, I, I just love the model from Simon Sinek, right? Which is start with why, yes. right? So it's like you have the what, you have the how and the why. And so like asking that question and trying to figure out why you do what you do and why people are attracted to you. I, I, asking that question and getting to that core of it. Like with Lady Gaga, I broke it down for people. Like the why is she wanted to change the world and make create a kinder, braver place. And she does that through uh, her music. She does it through her now, her movies. She does it through Little Monster Community. Like that's the how and the what. She writes music. <laughs> but the why is so much bigger than, than everything else. And I think it's okay to create a tension that doesn't directly fit like the meat dress and all. I mean, yes, there is ties, but some things like the egg, they don't, they have ties, but you can create big attention to get people asking, well, what's this all about? Mm-hmm. And then just getting their curiosity. All right, that's very good. All right, well, sports team. Jackie, you're running the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay? But they're not the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're just starting out a brand new team. They're going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. What would you do from the lessons that you've learned in marketing, Lady Gaga, et cetera? Yeah, I would, number one, focus on, and besides, the, obviously, the talent of the team is yeah. kind of what you guys do. It's like, you got to focus on the fan experience, Yes. right? You got to focus on the fan experience. And my very first book, Creating Customer Evangelist, we actually interviewed Mark Cuban oh. like, a couple years after he bought the Dallas Mavericks. Yes. And... It was amazing all the things that he did and he focused on the fan experience, right? Like he created his uh, special places for the super fans, the fans who would paint their faces. He created a special place for them in the arena, right? So he was like, again, one percenters. Like, and he came up with all these fun things that people could be a part of. It's similar to what you guys have done, right? Like regardless of how the team performed, yes. he knew that you needed to create that fan experience to keep people coming back and keep people having fun. And that's exactly what he did. That's so good. Give people something that they can't get anywhere else. You know, you think mm-hmm. about, my dad used to talk about when he used to go to Yankee Stadium, they let him walk on the field and see the monuments back in the day. No one can walk on fields anymore. That's part of our whole plan to walk on the field and actually get to sign the fan wall. Fans to actually sign the name and get their name on the wall. Give them those experiences. That's exactly what Mark Cuban's talking about. You know, what are, what's forbidden in sports? You know, what can you not do in sports? Mm-hmm. Like, how can you let your fans do that? Right. That's probably some of the things that Lady Gaga has done things like, you know, get your fans to actually go backstage and be a part of it. And you talked about Bruce, I mean, you're bringing them on stage. I mean, it's just so special that a lot of times you can't get that in the cake. All right. You've inspired me. You've gone for a long while. 
flip the script. You're the host. You get to ask me one question, anything. Oh my gosh. Yes. I told you, I bounce around. This isn't your normal podcast. No, it isn't a normal podcast. I mean, here's a good question. Like I think because now we're all digital, how do you think we can, you know, create this buzz and this attention, like, because everything's online. So there's no physical experiences anymore. Like how do we as businesses evolve and innovate into creating something that can bring people together and people will talk about. So only from personal experience, when we had to shut down, we became all entertainers. So what we did, we said, all right, our fans are going to now be involved in this. So the first thing we did is we did a music video with all of our staff dancing by myself to Billy Idol. And we sent that out and showed permission. Hey, we're having fun here. You can have fun too. And then we sent out Hey Baby, which is our song at the stadium, our tradition. Everyone goes, Hey, Hey baby. Ooh, ah. And we sent it to our entire fan base and said, we want you to be in our next music video. And so our whole fan base started sending tons of videos to a OneDrive and we made a music video and put them all in it. They were all at home, digital. And then that music video went out and got thousands of views and they became superstars, rock stars. So how do you use, everyone has a phone, a camera, everyone's your own entertainer now. How can you get them a part of an experience with you? That's what we tried to do. And I think moving forward, again, making them feel like rock stars, everything you've taught, but again, trying to get them to feel part of the digital experience and making them showcasing it. I think that's what we try to do is showcase them. So that's something we did. I don't know. Oh my God, that was great. That was great. (laughs) It was like a sense of community that you created and made them feel like rock stars and kept them engaged. That's really brilliant. That's awesome. We try and it's uh, our name of our company's fans first. So we actually let our fans this year uh, dictate who would play in games, like pitch online. Who's going to pitch in the game? What are we going to do this promotion? And so let our fans have a say what's going to happen in games because it's like, you know, they're at home, but can they still feel like ownership in what they're doing? And all right, uh, I'll ask you, if you want better answers in business, you got to ask better questions. You just asked a great question. What are some other questions you're asking businesses right now? Fascinating by that. Oh my gosh, that itself isn't a great question. I mean, to me right now, like, I think the question is, you know, how are you innovating? Because we we're all forced to be in such a different world and some businesses are adapting and some aren't. And like, it's funny because I work with all these drag artists, right? Like, and I'm watching them evolve, right? These, these are like, you know, similar to you, like in-person entertainment. And then how do you adapt? And so it's amazing to see the innovation that is happening. One of the drag artists that I'm working with right now, she was on RuPaul's Drag Race. She was a host in New York. She would host like literally six shows a night. So, sorry, six shows a week. So she's a host, right? She loves bringing people together. She loves being at the club. Like there's go-go boys. There's like drag performances. There's a toast. There's just like, she loves that. And it was like, finally, she was like, I, after like eight months in lockdown, she's like, I'm dying. I think people miss being together, especially in the queer community, you know, those spaces. So she created this party called Unfiltered. Her name's Britta Filter. And she is creating this Zoom experience that I've never seen before. And I'm working with her on it. But it's like, we, we have go-go boys. We have drag performers. We have like, we're putting these like traditions in where there's a walk-off, like there's a theme, right? So last time it was silver and gold, everybody dressed in silver and gold. And so we, we, you can spotlight like nine people in like, if it was in the club, you would have like a runway and people would walk down and the host would be like, oh, you look fierce, girl. Look at that outfit. That's amazing. And they would comment. So now we have a digital walk-off where we highlight everyone and the two hosts will comment on the people who have gone full out with their, you know, they put silver and gold background. They might have silver and gold on and she's creating the club experience over Zoom, which is very hard to do. Oh, and then wow. We have the chat going. Everybody's cameras are on. So you see everyone. It's not like a passive kind of thing. It's very interactive. We have a meet and greet. So there's an add-on ticket meet and greet. If the Queens were at the club, you would have a meet and greet line and there would be a meet and greet. You take a photo. We take a Zoom photo. We send it to you. We brand it. And so we did the first one and people loved it. I mean, they danced in their house. Yes. It's not just sitting watching a Zoom. Like you get up and you dance. We have one of the top DJs from New York who DJs the entire time between the performances. And it's a party. It's a party. And so she's trying to create something different, but bringing that club, we've really not seen anyone do this. Oh, it's so good. Well, it's making them feel like they're a part of something, making them feel good. When they walk away, they felt like it wasn't just talking to a camera. They were in it. They were again, they were getting the compliments. They were getting the acknowledgement. They were getting all that. Yeah. And so, you know, so that for her, like she's had to innovate in doing what she did before and trying to figure out how to do that online. Cause it's, we're going to be in here a while. So she's like, I need something and I know people need it too. So that's what we're trying to bring them. So good. So always asking, what are you doing to innovate right now? And I think that's a great question because a lot of people, there's a lot of spectators right now just waiting. 
And, you know, how do you get in the arena and start playing? And I think it sounds like you're in a community that's very, very creative right now. Well, I mean, these drag artists, they have no way to make a living. To be quite honest, like some of this innovation is just literally forced to because what are you going to do? I mean, they have to find a way, right? And uh, it's, it's really challenging right now, as you know, like for anything that was in person that, that relied on being in person, like how do you innovate that and bring it online? It's challenging. It's tough. Last two here, you know, and I think about everything you've talked about, evangelist, citizens, marketing, your first few books, fiercely, everything you talk about is why I resonate so much. The name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. Our mission, Fans First Entertainment Always. Everything is fans first. I'd love to know maybe something that stands out for you, maybe something you've done or something that's happened in your life that was really fans first that treated you like a fan and, you know, really, or you did it to someone, maybe someone in an audience at a speech, something that really stood out. That's interesting. Well, one of the things I started doing in my keynotes, so this is something I tried to do. I obviously tried to like, you know, use my own principles, right? And, you know, I was saying, I was going to give you something, give you something else. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Sailor Fan Club. So yeah. we started this literally in like 2008. I moved to Austin 2007 and I saw this bar that just opened and they wanted to be a quote Steeler bar. And they thought that was great marketing because they could draw the Steeler fans in, but it wasn't an experience. It was just like, oh, you know, the TVs will be on and the sound will be on. And I was like, this isn't that fun though. So I went to him and I was like, to the owner, I was like, how can we like make this fun though? Like, how can we make it like a party? Yeah. Right. And so we started to put all these things in place that made it feel like you were in Pittsburgh. Like everything we could do, we, like every single time we score a touchdown, we play the Steeler fight song. Here we go. Right. Like in the stadium, in the third quarter, when there's a defensive stand, they play renegade from sticks and they twirl the terrible towels. Right. And so we started doing that. And we're, so we started looking at like, how do we recreate the fan experience that if you were, because we're all like in Austin, uh, not everybody's from Pittsburgh. Lots of fans are just fans because their dad was, or uh, who knows, like who knows why they're fans, but there are a lot of Texans, a lot of people from all over the country. They never have maybe been to the stadium, but we're creating like the traditions that are done in Pittsburgh here, right? We have a squares game. So we, it's fun because, uh, you know, you have a number with a score that you can win $100 at the end of every quarter, right? And so there's always something fun happening all the time. We have a photo booth with all these amazing Steeler things that you can do. And we have a game day DJ, so you never hear the commercials. And so we have grown like this little thing to like over, we get over between 150 and 200 people every single game. It's a giant party. People drive hour, two hours in Texas to come to this party every single week. <laughs> wow. Because you're in the middle of Texas and to find your tribe, yes, you know, is tough, especially because there are lots of Steeler bars around the country, but I think we're probably one of the biggest fan clubs that there is, I think. And I have to say, as someone who like studies fan loyalty, to take all these things and be like, ooh, my little experiment, like how can we put it into this fan club and make it the best fan club we can possibly make it. We have a Facebook group. People are always chat chatting and talking. We have cheer squad. We have a guy with a giant horn. We have a guy on the mic who leads the cheers. Every time there's a first down, we say, that's a Pittsburgh Steeler first down. And everyone knows the cheer. <laughs> like we've created this community of people, our one percenters who come all the time. Like it is, we celebrate birthdays. Like it is what like you're doing, but you're just applying it to this little fan club. But what has happened in the last eight years is just like, it's like a family of people and we love it. We love, love, love it. I don't know if there's a better way ever that's ended an episode of this. You just covered every single thing and something that you guys have created, finding your tribe, creating the belonging, the shared, I mean, everything, the one it's a, I don't, I'm from New England. Don't hold it against me. I'm from Boston. So don't hold it against me. I want to go to that party. Whenever that opens up that party again, I want to be there because you created such a feeling of your belong to something. And I think that's what you've done, what Lady Gaga has done. Jackie, that was a mic drop to finish this entire episode. There's so many other things I would go on, but I'm finishing right there. And I just, I want to thank you because I hope everyone can listen and say, how can we create that, something like that with our people to build something truly special that makes a difference? And that's what you've done. You've made an impact for us. And just thank you so much. Well, I just love everything that you've done in doing the research and learning about you and just how you've created this experience for people. And I love it so much. And you've like taken bold leaps. You're not afraid to try things and do amazing things. So congratulations on all the things that y'all have been doing there. Thank you, Jackie. I appreciate it. All right. This was awesome. You are a rock star. Thank you. Like that was such a good fit. I literally am picturing. Do you tell that story in your speeches? Yeah. Okay. You talk about the fan club in the Steelers. Yeah. When I talk about the one percenters, okay. I talk about Gaga one percenters and then I talk about what I'm a one percenter for. And so I do this, that bit is like a whole bit that I do on the Steeler fan club. Like there's more to it. Like I, I'm sure I, there is. I have a Steeler tattoo. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And I just talk about like how... I don't go into all the details I just did, but I want people to understand like what one percenters are, 
Like someone who starts a fan club is a one percenter. Yes. Oh, right. Like I want people to understand like the craziness that people will go, the amount of work that me and my leadership team spend every year on this. Yeah. It's a leadership team. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's so much and we spend so much time and like businesses have customers like that too. That'll volunteer, that'll help, that'll do things, that'll do whatever they can to help the business. You know, I have that great Southwest story that's in creating cluster evangelists about 9-11. Just the create. And so like, I want to show people the extreme of like, what is the holy, what is the holy grail of what customers will do to be part of your community? Yeah. So that I like to tell a story of like one of a 1%. Oh, it's so good. I always find the Steeler fans in the audience. So it's great. You'll get one or two, a hundred percent. I'm like, oh, where's my Steeler fans? Right. And they're like, woo. I had one guy who literally whipped out his towel. <laughs> I was like. And so, and the whole audience is like, oh my God. I'm like, that's not a plan. That is not a plan. Sir, why do you have your towel? And he's like, well, the game's on right after this. Cause it was an afternoon thing. And I was like, you're right. The game is on after this. He's like, well, I brought it to go to the bar. Like, it was, so these moments that I don't know, I love. And then also I've been booed <laughs> because I'll, I'll speak in Boston or I'll speak, you know, like in Baltimore or oh, something. Yeah. And Steelers fan, I've gotten booed. Oh my God. Uh, So good. In your title, your book, you put fanatics too. That word is not talked about enough in a positive way. I'm so intrigued by the word fanatics. Like you're a fanatic and that's okay. It's okay to be a fanatic. Like that's good. And it's, oh geez, Jackie, this was awesome. I'm literally now thinking, how do we do that? Because all our games fortunately have sold out and they sell out. How do we do that at a local bar? and literally bring our pep band over there maybe at one point, bring our whole, and just put on a show there and then it starts forming internally. That'd be really, really cool. Oh, how fun. Oh, that'd be super fun. Yeah. Well, this was great. Yeah, this is going to air till about April, but this was wonderful. And I just really, I thank you. It's such good stuff, Jack. No, and it's so great, by the way, to connect with like like like-minded folks. I just love like talking to you about these same concepts and seeing what you guys are doing. It's just great. So thank you for having me. It was awesome. Jay, I never, Jay Bear on this show, me and Jay, he's been on my show, but we've connected a lot. I've been on his. I heard, I was like, this is amazing. This perfume story. I love it. Banana blackout. Got to read the book. Call it. And that's how it worked out. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. We'll give him a shout out. Oh, yay, Jay. That's fantastic. Thanks a lot, Jack. I appreciate you. All right. Have a good day. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe that challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered in this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.